And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Our guest today is Max Stiles. Mac is a former missionary church planter. He's an author. He and his family have lived and served in Africa, in the Middle East, and now they live in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Mac today. Mac, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. It's really good to be here. Before we, we jump into the topic, we're going to be talking today about short-term missions. But before we dive into that, I wanted to see if you could just begin by telling us some about your background in missions and how you're currently serving the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, I was in campus ministry years ago and started directing a short-term mission program in the 80s, mid-80s in Kenya. So it goes, it goes way back. I think our first one was 1986, 87, around in there. And we did that for six or seven years. Then we were a part of a program in Tunisia where we directed a program in North Africa and then later in Guatemala. So wide ranging, different kinds of short-term missions. And in between those, there were some times that we directed some programs in inner city Atlanta, and we did some stuff with migrant workers in Florida. So a full range of short terms. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful context. And then now currently you're in the States and what does some of your ministry look like today? Yeah. So after those short-term experiences, we went to Dubai for 16 years. And then I pastored a church in Iraq for four years. And then in 2020, 21, came back to the States right, right, right in time for COVID. So it's been an interesting return to the States, but we're here full-time now. I'm the director of Messenger Ministries. I'm putting together kind of a Congress of missionaries to come together and talk about what it means to help inform the church and mission agencies about the things that good missionaries on the ground want mission agencies and churches to know. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's good to have you today. I wanted to see, just to kind of start off the conversation, you obviously took us back some to, to the 80s. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's the problem have... with asking, Paul, a, a question <laughs> of an old guy. You know, <laughs> the, hist the history goes way back. So. No, this is, this is good. <laughs> this is why I wanted to talk with you. Can you just share, maybe from your perspective, some of the history of short-term missions? You know, for example, sure. When you were growing up in the church and you were in middle school, high school, college, was short-term a thing or is that- No, it wasn't a thing. Kind of I developed later. Can you was. talk some about that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I mean, well, I mean, in one sense, Jonah went on a short-term mission. You know, he was in Nineveh three days, had an eight-word sermon, you know, 120,000 people repent in sackcloth and ashes, you know, pretty good, you know, pretty good for a short-termer. And Paul was on short-term missions, you know, so- Paul and Barnabas were often, you know, I mean, admittedly, they were forced out of towns or beaten out of towns or threatened out of towns, but they were on short-term mission trips. Even the longest time Paul stayed, I think as Corinthians, they were there for three years in Corinth. So, which is, I mean, in my mind, a short term. I know that's not exactly what we mean technically nowadays, but anyway, yeah. So the history is even biblically, there's biblical history, but really short-term missions weren't a thing until the airplane, really. Till commercial travel on planes took off because it, 
you know, I mean, sometimes in yesteryear, it, it took as long to get there as it did what our short terms take, you know, I mean, so it would take months to go someplace on a ship. Short terms were not possible or feasible, really. So short terms have really taken off really since the 80s. You know, even when we directed a short-term program in 1980, it, it was not, there were deep questions about it. There were things that people wondered if it was a good idea or is it biblical, you know, all those kind of questions. And so it didn't really take off till the 80s, I suppose, in our, in our modern missions. Okay. So that would be a, that would be a very brief and cursory kind of look at short term. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. So maybe thinking about the way that that short term missions were done in the eighties. Obviously, you mentioned some of the concerns. I think it's some of the same questions that we would hear today in twenty twenty two about short term missions as well. Yeah. H- have you seen any changes in the way that short term has been done? Thinking back through the eighties up to modern day. Well, I mean, we went longer to Africa when we went to Kenya. I mean, we didn't even have fax machines. (laughs) There's no internet, you know? So we went for two months and it was immersive. We lived in Kenyan homes. I mean, really rugged, rough situations. And we took public transportation and we took a stab at language school. And, you know, I mean, so, so we had time, we did, we did training on site, you know, short terms sort of won the day. Now everybody does short terms. So I think short terms can be very, very quick nowadays. And that that comes with advantage and disadvantages. Of course, all these things do. But I I think as I look at the landscape for short terms now, they seem to be much, much shorter and less, maybe less focused on training. I wish there was more time for short-termers to hear biblical basis of missions and training and and gospel presentations or or even taking a stab at the language. You know, when we took our short-term to Guatemala, it was shorter, it was a month. But even then, we would take students to language school just so they understood how how they could learn a language. We wanted them to see that. And and even if it was just to to look stupid in someone else's language, I mean, there's real benefit in that, you know? (laughs) There's real benefit in just eking out, you know, what little phrases you can and using that wherever you are. Because it's endearing and people appreciate that you're trying to understand their culture. So, yeah, I, but by and large, I think short terms look, I mean, basically the same. Yeah. yeah to answer your question. Yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, talking about Jonah and talking about Paul, talking about some of the biblical examples. So if somebody were to ask you, hey, Mac, do you really think there's a biblical <laughs> basis for short-term missions? I mean, should we really be doing these kinds of things? How would you respond to that question? Is there a basis? In your yeah, I think, there, well, I think there, the biggest one is Paul's missionary journeys, a biblical basis. But I, I would say, look, the, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18, says go. It doesn't really say a time frame. It just says go. And if we're giving these advantages to go nowadays, I mean, this is, to me, the biblical basis is the Great Commission. And if we have opportunities to go, we can. One of the great things of in today's world is everyone can do that. There's very few obstacles like there used to be uh, for going other places. And, and so, and short terms can do things that long-term folk can't in some ways. So I, I can give you some examples of those, or maybe that's a different question. But yeah. yeah, no, that's helpful. The reason I ask is obviously there's been some some scrutiny, I think, related to short-term missions over the last decade plus. I mean, I, I've seen and read articles where people have said, hey, maybe you should, here's the reasons why all you churches should consider canceling your short-term missions. <laughs> well, I think, there, I think there's a point there. I mean, there's good short-terms and bad short-terms, I think what it comes down to. That's exactly uh, right. 
And that, yeah, that, wheat and tears. It's kind of a wheat yeah. and tears. Thing. I, I, you know, I just think that the reason we wrote the book, Mac and Leanne's Guide to Short Term Missions, is because we wanted good short terms. So a lot of those critiques are accurate of short terms, but they tend to be pragmatic, not biblical reasons. Yes, that's good. And that's a good segue actually to my next question. So I would agree with you. I think there is a, a biblical basis there for churches to engage in short term, but I think the key is we want to see the church do it well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's my question for you, Mac, is what are some of the key ingredients? What are yeah. some of the things that churches need to really do short-term missions well? Yeah, I have three or four things that immediately jump to mind. Primarily, short-termers should not forget the gospel. That is the number one thing that I'm most concerned about when short-termers come over, is for some reason, I don't know why, people who have no problem sharing their faith in their own context suddenly become just all thumbs when it comes to sharing the gospel in in another context. Now, some of that is understandable. We want to be sensitive in other cultures. But if you speak English and the person you're talking to speaks English, you should be able to articulate the gospel to that person. The most helpful thing for us from our short-termers that we've received, and we've received hundreds of short-termers now as long-term missionaries, you know, so we've, we've been on both sides of that equation. The most helpful thing was when someone gently, sweetly, with cultural sensitivity, shared the gospel with, with someone who we knew was not a believer from another culture. So that's, to me, it's like, don't go on a short term unless you know the gospel. Have that nailed down, have it down cold. I say the other thing is an attitude, which is you go as servants and learners. I think about 1 Corinthians three and four, where Paul repeatedly talks about we're stewards, we're stewards of the gospel and we're servants of the people. And that's, if you go with that, with the gospel, number one, and you go with an attitude of serving and learning, it's a great short term. I would say the third thing that we, we encourage churches to do, and this comes out in the book, of course, is have short terms with a long-term view. So develop relationships with people in one place and go back to that one place over time. So I think that's really beneficial. There's all kinds of guards and helps in that to develop friendship enough that you're continually sending short-termers to one place. So there's all kinds of reasons to do short-terms. And that's the other thing. People get mixed up about this. So even those short-terms that we did, we took people to Guatemala because we wanted to take people that were completely unexposed to missions as almost a training event. So we could take younger believers on that trip. When we went to Tunisia, they were assigned to live in Muslim homes for a month through a partnership that we had in the university with English speakers in Tunisia. That required enormous maturity on the people that were going on the short term. And what that did for us was allowed longer term missionaries to have those connections and, and relationships. Now, this is going back years and years. So I'm speaking freely about this now because all these people are gone and the program's over. But it did incredible things for people there because of the connections of living in Muslim homes that just couldn't happen for those that had families there. And, you know, and all sorts of ranges in between. So you have different things. There, there's people that take short terms just to encourage the people that they've sent out from their church, which is perfectly legitimate. You know, Paul and Barnabas, you know, their second missionary trip, I think is where it starts by Paul just going, hey, let's go back and see how everybody's doing. 
you know, essentially. And sort of overshadowed, because that's the very passage where Paul and Barnabas have their fight, you know, over John Mark. So we miss that phrase, but it's it's right right there in that passage. So I think churches must know what they're doing with a short term rather than just, hey, let's have a short term. I mean, and then, the, and then there's the, the youth trip to Mexico to build a building, you know, I mean, which is not really, it's good for the kids. <laughs> you know, but it's, I don't know, I just, I think you need to understand that. You need to understand what you're doing there. The Great Commission is a call to go. And a call to go is a call to prepare. Whether you're called to advance the gospel in your local church or on mission fields around the world, Southern Seminary is committed to preparing you for a lifetime of faithful ministry. Designed with flexibility and personalization in mind, the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies allows pastors, missionaries, and ministry leaders to prepare for their own unique call to ministry. It's designed to equip students with the biblical foundation and the practical training needed to present the gospel clearly in cross-cultural missional settings. To learn more about the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies, go to sbts.edu bgs or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School of Southern Seminary. There, you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. That web address again is sbts.edu slash bgs. I like the distinction that you made there of just going and seeing. I often describe that as, you know, there are some short-term trips that are doing kind of trips where you're uh-huh. doing something specific. You're sharing the gospel. You're getting on college campuses. You're yeah. doing stuff. There's others that are more being and yeah. you're you're just being there yeah, with the a ministry workers. of presence. Yeah, you're encouraging, you're spending time with those that you've sent out. And I think distinguishing between being and doing on those trips can be yeah. important. But I also love what you mentioned about there's a certain standard and level that we want to see in those that we're sending on short-term trips. There needs to be spiritual maturity. They need to be believers. They need yeah. to be able to articulate the gospel. And a lot of that goes to training and, and making sure there's good preparation on the front end. So I think those are some really helpful things that you mentioned there. I want to flip the question around and ask kind of the flip side of it and say, what are some some pitfalls or some things for churches to avoid in church yeah. missions? Well, of course, uh, the opposite of all those things are pitfalls. But I would say one of the pitfalls that I most I think is most common is churches will be they're agenda driven, not field driven. So it's so critical for churches when they have a short-term team go somewhere to know what is it the missionary is trying to do here? What is the advantage or disadvantages of short-term? What kind of people are coming? (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, it's important to ask lots of questions of the people that you're going to about what would be helpful for them. So I actually had a, I had a church I wrote a book on short-term missions. I'm for short terms, but we were in a situation when we went to Dubai where the work was too fragile and, you know, we were doing things that it just, it wasn't appropriate at the time to, to have short-termers. And so we had a church actually, you know, really sort of upset with us that we were, we wouldn't take their team, which told me, yeah, the Lord's protecting us because they weren't willing to listen to me about what was important at the time. So I think that's the number one pitfall I see besides just, you know, the other things that we've already mentioned that are helpful, not, not doing those other things are pitfalls, but agenda driven rather than field driven. 
Yeah, where a, ch- where a church says, hey, we want to go do X, Y, or Z, and the missionary says, well, that's not really going to help or benefit <laughs> yeah, yeah, my ministry and yeah. my work on the ground, and I'm the it one It actually takes here. away from my ministry. So so I got a story about this. So we were in Guatemala, and we're talking to the church leader there. He was a shield. A shield is a Native American, you know, Mayan descendant. And we asked him what he wanted us to do. And this is after a number of years. And he said, well, could you all take down that building over there? Oh, you know, the students loved it. They were, you know, crowbars and, you know, they're taking down this. It was a small, it was a shed, just a wood shed. And we said, well, what is a nice building? And why are we taking this down? And he said, oh, well, it blocks the view. You know, it's a pretty view here. And it was a mountain range. And uh, he said, you know, some Canadian short-term guys came over and they they said they, they knew that the Lord wanted them to build a building right here for us. And so they built it and it was nice of them, but we don't want it. <laughs> So it's like, and so, I mean, I wonder how many things happen like that, you know, where we, we have an agenda, we go over and we do something, but it's not really not what's needed. And they were very gracious. You know, they didn't mind that the short-term folks had right. come over, right? but you know, what, what they wanted really was more about relationships and getting to know folks and learning about the gospel. So. Yeah. I think that's a good point that the field missionary, the one on the ground, the national partner, they're the ones who should drive the strategy. The church has come with a posture of how can we serve? I think that's, yeah. that's good. All right. I want to move into a lightning round where I'm going to ask you some <laughs> okay. questions for you to give us some, some quicker responses. From your perspective and in an increasingly digital world, is there value in short-term missions in 2022 or should churches just leverage technology and and use Zoom and other things? Or is there any value in actual short-term presence on the ground? I'm all for leveraging Zoom. Let me tell you a story. I, uh, I had a young man from a closed country come up to me in church and told me, I understand you like to help people come to faith by studying the book of Mark. And I said, I do. It's my, it's my favorite thing in the world to study the book of Mark with non-Christians. He said, I want you to teach me how to do that. And I said, oh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to teach you how to do that. I said, oh, look, I'm really busy. This was this summer, this past summer. I said, I'm really busy. You know, I got I got a new book coming out. I, you know, I've, I've got cross-conference. I'm, I, and, and, you know, I'm teaching this. Could we start next year? He goes, oh, yes. That would, you know, very sweet, very deferential. Oh, yes, that would be so wonderful. We could start next year. He paused. And then he said, my sister is is an atheist in this closed country. And, and she's agreed to study the book of Mark with me. And we're going to start next week. So I'm going to, I'm going to be doing the, the book next week. I said, Oh, forget about next year. What are you doing tomorrow? You know, <laughs> you know? and I, yeah, so I'm, I'm teaching him how to s- study the gospel and to bring out the gospel. He's a, a strong believer, but he, and how to bring out the gospel from the book of Mark. And he's been taking that and doing this with his sister and she's come to faith. Hmm. So I'm for zoom. <laughs> you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. for that. Right. But with that said, with that said, the last time I checked my Bible, the command to go has not been rescinded and we need, we need people to go. So technology is not going to, I mean, that's not going to change the command to get involved in people's lives, to do what God did and go to, you know, Jesus came to us. We emulate that by going to other places and living among them. So the, 
kind of the four things that make for a good missionary are learn the language, live with the people, eat the food, and take public transportation. That's the Brewster model from years ago. And they said, you can pretty much tell a good missionary if they do those four things over, over their time on the mission field. So we want to emulate that. We want to go and do that, live with the people, not just beam things down on them from satellite or do internet podcasts. We can't do church that way. You can't do missions that way. Yeah. Amen. I agree. All right, Mac, somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, I feel called to go and serve the Lord overseas as a career missionary. Would you encourage that person to begin and start with a short-term mission first? Uh, well, no, I would tell them you need to go to your elders and tell them this. The elders in your church or your pastor, if you don't have elders, need to know of this sense that you have about the Lord's call in your life. You know, I say this a lot to students, but I know the direction of God's call in your life. It's towards Jesus. It's towards holiness. It's towards God. <laughs> That's the first calling. And part of that calling is to be a member of a local church and be submitted to the leadership of your local church. So that's the first thing. But then absolutely, I want them to go on a short term before they go overseas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to, to figure out, should I be doing this? Should I really be doing this? These uh, are longer answers for this is good. rapid this, fire, rapid this is fire great. questions. But, it's great. Yeah, We've already touched on some of this. So maybe try to think through something that we haven't touched okay. on yet. But one thing, you get, you get to fill in the blank, one thing that local churches can do to make short-term mission trips more beneficial for field missionaries is blank. Well, I don't know what I'd say that it hasn't been said. I want them to be a missions-minded church. You know, I want, I want them to have a heart for missions and be establishing as a regular part of their teaching why Missions is a part of God's heart. It's not, we don't just have a missions week where we're nice to missionaries one week a year. Missions is something that should be integrated in the warp move of, of a church. So the best thing about, uh, the best thing I think a church would do in that is have missions such that those kind of desires would percolate up in the natural process of living out gospel ministry in a church. Okay, just part of the natural overflow yeah. of loving God, loving yeah. the world that he's created. Yeah, it's hard to look at your Bible and not see that God is for missions. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, the other side of the question, one thing that field missionaries can do to make short-term trips more beneficial for local churches is blank. Yeah, be more patient. <laughs> be patient with the people that come. See it as a part of your ministry. Remember that people that are coming are impressionable and that they're going to take this, they're going to take this experience with them probably for the rest of their lives. And so be careful as you talk to short-termers, love them well. Remember they're like, you know, like impressionable children, even if they're older. I mean, they're like children who are in a pretty big growth spurt. Yeah, you don't. What you don't want to do is—it's difficult as a field missionary 
often short terms take away from field time. That's probably the biggest criticism I hear about short terms is that uh, for some missionaries, especially if you've had a sort of a dramatic move of God in your, in your work, lots of people want to come see it. And you can sort of become just all you do is superintend short termers. So one of the things that we did helpfully, this happened in Dubai and through the church at Redeemer was develop a vision week where we invited a lot of people just to come into a week. That was helpful. I think. Yeah. 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 I like that. I I like what you said about this may be an experience that they carry with them for the rest of their lives. It's they're very impressionable. And so you have an opportunity to yeah spur that on to encourage what God's doing, or you can squelch what God is doing. And so I do think there is a stewardship that's there for the field missionary. Yeah. You know how it is, Paul, you know, when you get asked a dumb question the 50th time or, you know, it's, there's a tendency to get irritated by that, but you know, you can't, you can't do that. you right. got to take each person individually and with gospel love uh, yeah. in a new situation. That's a good word. All right, Mac, last question for you. Is it important for senior pastors or the, the primary preaching pastor to go on short-term trips? Yes or no. And what would you say? to senior pastors along these lines today? Yeah, I would say I have an ambivalent response to that. I I think a senior pastor is called to his flock. And if it benefits his flock, it'd be a great thing to go. But I don't think it's, I don't think it would be required for senior pastors to go on a short-term mission trip. I, I think they've got something to do. You know, senior pastors have a job to be done with their congregation if they want to go and it would be enjoyable and refreshing for them. It'd be great. I mean, we had, we had pastors of large churches come to visit us in Dubai and they were really helpful. And I always enjoyed my time with them. Well, people, you did John Piper, Kevin DeYoung, uh, John Woods from Cedar Springs and down in Knoxville, Mark Dever. (laughs) These guys all came and visited us and saw things that were happening there. So great encouragement to me. And these are guys that have a lot to do, you know? I mean, so we were always thrilled to welcome them, but I don't think it's a requirement that that you do that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I don't see that as as a requirement at at all. I would say that, oddly enough, all those pastors that you mentioned tend to have missions-minded congregations. They do. There could be some sort of connection to the pastor being willing to not only talk about it from the pulpit, but also go and and model it to a certain degree as well. So that's, that's good to hear. All right. Well, Mac, thank you so much for your time and for the conversation today. Yeah, it's a delight. Yeah, I appreciate it. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.